we want to keep Jason's um, dad in prayer. He, I, he had a heart problem. I, somebody said, right? Is he okay? Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Y'all have First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. And it reads there, Always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and keep away from every kind of evil. Lord, we thank you and we ask, God, that you would touch every life here today. As always, I invite you, Holy Spirit, for you are the agent in operation here today. You're able to penetrate the heart, the mind, the soul. And I ask that you would change our lives, that we would truly reflect your image. I pray that you move in signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, when you're growing up, most people, we always have these dreams about the person we want to be. You ever think that? You know, I want to this, I want to be that. And we have, we have these aspirations, and some, through hard work, diligence, accomplish many great things. Others, um, because life can be pretty brutal at times, uh, they, they seem to be able to come to a point where they, they, they don't achieve what they thought they would. And so you're, you're there, and then you begin to wonder, and you know, some people go into it like they, they have a term for, for, for men who get to a point, and they're not happy with what they've achieved out there in life, and they, they call it a midlife crisis. And I, and I think if you're following Jesus, you can't have a midlife crisis. Uh, and the reason why, because, uh, you know, 50 years is not midlife. We live for eternity. Amen. And, and, you know, women go through their, their taint when they have their uh, hormonal changes and they go through uh, menopause. And uh, My wife was working on a, a theory of menopause and ministry. You know, so husbands, if your wife is going through menopause, no, she is not um, uh, imbalanced or, or unstable. She, she, her life is changing, man. You have to walk with her in understanding. And thank God you ain't going through menopause. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's a tough time. But nonetheless, there is a person that God wants you to be. And wherever you're at, uh, the key to anyone's uh, achieving goal is your attitude. Look to your neighbor and say, what kind of attitude you got? And that's what I want to talk about for a few moments here as we end this year. We may look, reflect back on our attitude, but I want us to prepare ourselves for 2019 to have the right attitude. Amen? So how we think about others, God, and ourselves, uh, we have an attitude about it. We know, we, and listen, there is no quick fix to, to changing your attitude, especially if you've been uh, the way you are for a while. There's no quick fix for sin. There's no quick fix for attitude. We do know that we can repent and choose to stop actions that lead us towards sin or stop some certain actions that lead us towards bad attitudes because some of us just tend to go that way, right? And really, once you're dealing with sin, 
uh, that issue of sin is dealt with, then we can be open to the door to become more of the person that we were intended to be. It's not people around you who've, who've kicked you off your, your, your route. It's here. Our attitude. What we do. And this is a fact. Never forget this. God always decides what you go through. It doesn't matter how bad it is, how good it is. It has to go to the hand of God. So God decides what you go through. You decide how you go through it. And sometimes we don't, when we go, don't go through it the proper way, God has to put us on that remedial cycle. You didn't learn the first time, so you get, you got a, you get flunked. Anybody ever been flunked? Don't raise your hand. You know, you get flunked, get held back a grade. Why? Because you didn't learn it the first time. You got to do it again. Well, God has a remedial process. And he'll put you through things, really. And then if you don't go through it the proper way, then you just may have to go through it again. And I would dare say there are some of you on a roller coaster ride that have been going through the same thing for so long and you haven't learned your lesson. Well, I'm praying that today, as we, be, we end this year to start the new one, you will learn your lesson and you'll have the right attitude. So with that in mind, we have to look at attitude. There was a man who was speaking on the telephone and you could hear him talking and all you can hear is his conversation. And he goes, yes, mother, I've had a hard day. And, and Marie, yeah, she's, she's been very difficult today. I know. I ought to be more firm, but it's hard. Well, you know how she is. Yes, I remember. I remember, Mom. You, you, you warned me. I remember you told me that she was a vile creature who would make my life miserable. And you begged me. You said, don't marry her. You were perfectly right. You want to talk to her? All right, right. So he looks up off the telephone, and he, he calls to his wife. And he says, Mary, your mom wants to talk to you. See, attitude. Attitude is what we're talking about. Why do we focus on attitude? See, attitude is probably the most important thing that you have control of in your life. You cannot control very many things. Life just comes at you, but you can control one thing, and nobody else can take it from you. It's your attitude. Huh? It's the difference between being happy or being a happy Christian. People with the right type of attitude, regardless of life situation, they, they seem to always walk through it with joy. Sometimes, you know, you ever been in that, in that bummer and, and you walk around and people are all happy and you look at them like, why are they so happy? And you're all bum kicked. Because they, they've learned to have the right attitude. Huh? So I've also noticed that those that did not have the proper attitude seem to bring more trouble upon themselves. You know, like that, that cartoon, when I was growing up, we had that cartoon with the little guy walking around in the cloud following him, right? Schlep, they call him Schleprock, right? And Fred, Fred Flintstone, Schleprock. I mean, the cloud is always following that person. And, you know, we, we all know somebody like that, you know. Here, oh, here comes Mrs. Gloom or, or Dr. Doom. And they're all coming in, oh, okay. And, and, and they always have the bad attitude, no matter what's happening. Those, those are the type of people that would win $300 million in the lottery and would complain about the taxes. Bad attitude. Nothing seems to get them up. See, I've heard, and you've probably heard this, misery often loves company. So when people are miserable and have a bad attitude, they're not going to be happy until somebody else is miserable with them. Because misery does love company. So they're looking around for anybody who would bite. 
See, few, but very few of us know how to, to change our attitude, but it's possible to, to have the right attitude. See, because very seldom you read a book about attitudes or self-help attitudes. And, and then when you have that, you don't have people coming uh, just to change your attitude. I'm going to have an attitude class today. And if you had that, people wouldn't come because by the very fact of them coming, they'd be admitting they, had, they don't know how to keep their attitude. So their bad attitude would keep them from getting a good attitude. And the ones who came to class didn't need there because they had the right attitude. It's those with the bad attitude. Now, without looking to your neighbor, do you know anybody like that? Look to me. Look to, look to me, okay? So how do we adjust or change our attitude? I think the main thing is many Christians fail to really grasp what God's Word teaches on attitude. See, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Have this attitude in you, which is also in Christ. Think about that. People say, oh, uh, you know, uh, what would Jesus do? Jesus, first of all, would stop sniveling and complaining. We know that. So let's get past that. And he would have the right attitude. Oh, but pastor, you don't know this person. I don't have to know this person. Jesus didn't say have a good attitude only when you had good people around you. He said have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus. It's not a recommendation. It's it's a a command. Have this attitude. See, the first thing Jesus did when he called the 12 disciples was to deal with their attitudes. The first, he's on the mount, and what did he preach? They actually caught the B attitudes. So being a Christian, you have to have the right attitude. And when you allow people to come in and disrupt your attitude, you got to stop it because you're allowed. In fact, you're giving them free rent to live in your brain. They become your master, your Lord. Why? Because you allowed them, anybody, whoever it is, to address and adjust and affect your attitude. You might, might as well stop calling them friend and call them master. Because if they affect your attitude, they must have some kind of power over you. So when you look at it that way, all of a sudden you get, your pride starts rising up. Wait a minute. Nobody's got power. I just affected your attitude. Huh? Attitude. Attitude should be based on what Scripture says, not what people say. Read the, the, the Scripture. So again, Jesus realized that the disciples must have the right attitude to be effective in their ministry, in their life on earth. Got to have the right attitude. So we have to focus on that. Paul, when he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, gave them seven attitude reminders. And that's what I want to to remind you of the type of attitude. In verse 19, he said, keep a spirit of enthusiasm. Do Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench. I like that word enthusiasm. That word, it comes from the, the, the Greek word entheo, entheo, theo meaning God, meaning God in you. When you're enthusiastic, the Bible, it directly relates to relationship with God. Now, some people get enthusiastic by false gods, artificial forms. You know, some people, they, they, they seem to can't even have fun unless they drink alcohol. Alcohol is your master. So we're we're called to have enthusiasm, God in you. And when you have God in you, then you have that kind of attitude. In view. Anybody have God in them? So then 
and we all claim that. We walk in the church. And I know people, they say, well, I, 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 I accepted the Lord. And they walk in, and their face, we call, in Spanish, we call it cara de hacha, right? And, and that, what that means is you have an, a hatchet face, right? And, and they come to church with this, this faith. And, and I go, my goodness, you know, you're, you're not going to hell, right? You're saved. Jesus loves you. And they go, oh, no, I know, Pastor. And I always tell people like that, could you please inform your face that you're saved? Because your face looks like hell. Let your face know that you're going to heaven. Amen? So, in verse 16, he says, we have to welcome life positively. It says, rejoice always. Welcome life. See, everybody will have to face many setbacks in their life. That life just comes. But you got to welcome it. I've always said I've had the privilege of being on my deathbed. And before I would worry, you know, when, when you have those notices, not that any of you had a notices, or you're late on your car payment, your mortgage is late, and you get that little love note from the utilities company that if you don't pay next month, you're, you're going to turn off your electricity. And before that used to bother me. Now I look at it and I go, man, I welcome life enthusiastically because every time I get that letter from the utilities company, it means I'm alive. Because if I was dead, I wouldn't get nothing in the mail. Welcome life enthusiastically. You're alive. You have, breath, you have breath. So long as you have breath, there is hope. Huh? See, Paul tells us that when things come up uh, that would cause us to get in the flesh, anybody ever get in the flesh? Rather than to reverting to a carnal response, we should embrace life in a positive way. Huh? Man, God is good. God set me free. God delivered me. Not only did God set me free and deliver me, he gave me a wife. He gave me children. He gave me grandkids. He gave me a ministry. Are you kidding me? Huh? We have to uh, be positive about life. Enjoy life. Not only as we enjoy life, dare to be an open person. He says, pray without ceasing. When I say open, not just to open to any whim, any humanistic whim that comes hither and thither. No, no, no. If you listen to the world, you're, you're in trouble. Uh, no, when he, I'm talking about when you pray continually, you pray without ceasing, you're open, it, it, you're, you're, you have a communion with God. And unfortunately, most Christians don't pray as they should. While attending the church or maybe reading their Bible, they, they fail to realize the impact that prayer has on your life. The, imp, the power that prayer can produce through a righteous man. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It wouldn't say that if it didn't mean it. So if we say prayer avails much, why in the world don't we pray more? False religions. I was in, I was in Indonesia, and I found Albers in Indonesia. I did. It was 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was in a place. That they, they put me in this real, very nice tri-level house that one of the people had, overlooking the valley. Beautiful sight. It was Gorgeous. And it's four o'clock in the morning, and I heard Alba's. What the heck is that? I go, I thought I found it. I mean, over the whole valley, you heard this chant, and it was the first prayer in the morning. And six times or five times a day, they chanted across that valley, and everybody in that valley would pray. 
And they're praying to a false god. Yet they prayed six times or five times. How many times do those guys pray? They pray a lot. They pray more than Christians. If Christians would pray half as much, uh, our president would be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Could you imagine if Trump started speaking in tongues? Whoo, man, that'd be heavy. He needs to get saved. The billionaire playboy, we don't know where to go. Oh, let me get back over here. Huh? No, but we don't pray as we should. And we have to pray. See, that, that means you're open. You're having a communion with God. And once you're praying with God and you're open, you have this relationship, then God can begin to tell you things that you would otherwise not want to hear. He could begin to direct you. Everybody says, oh, I want to know God's will. You Pray. Pray. Get a hold of God. Pray without ceasing. See, in other words, be an open person. Keep your heart open and let God speak to you. Let him teach you about all affairs of life. Stop making your own decisions. Really ask the Lord. That's what I love about King David. Every time he went through a trouble, now he caused a lot of trouble too. But what, 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 what he did know how to do, he knew how to get a hold of God, get up, and get direction. I, you know, I hear, I see people, they go, uh, I made a mistake, Pastor. This happens quite often. Well, what do you mean you made a mistake? You know, the pressure. I go, okay. And I couldn't take it. So I went and got drunk. I went and smoked a joint. Because, you know, that marijuana, medical marijuana, and it's, it's legal now. And I felt better. Right? I look at him, I go, what, did you ever try praying? Did you ever really try to get a hold of God? If you did, you wouldn't need the false God. You'd, have, you'd be open to God, the power, the anointing. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. That other stuff is, just, is a temporary fix. Oh, yeah, you might feel good for a little while, man, right? You, you do all that, you get the munchies, eat a Twinkie, and you feel good, okay? But that's going to leave. You thought I didn't know. Huh? But when you pray and get a hold of God, when you pray and get a hold of God, things begin to happen. Things begin to change. All of a sudden, you realize, hey, wait a minute, this is not that bad. Man, you start walking around. Where's that punk devil? I'm going to slap him like a circus monkey. Where's he at? Because now you got the power of the anointing under your belt. No, you got to get a hold of him. Let God minister to you. So Paul continues. He's, he's giving him these instructions for life about their attitude. And he goes, and then exhibit a thankful heart. Verse 18. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you. First, first step, God's will. You want to know God's will? Thank God for everything. Now that's tough. Because it's easy to thank God for the good things. But he says, everything. James rephrased it when he writes. He says, count it all joy. He said, count it all joy when you go through trials of various kinds. Trials. And he's not talking about the devil attack you. Because when James is speaking, he's not talking about some demonic attack. The devil's after me and, and the devil made me do. No, no, no. When James is speaking, he's saying, when people cause you problems, when people around you are, ter- are, are persecuting you, when you're going through it because of people, count it all joy. It's, it's easy when, when the, the, that person who's doing it to you is not in your face. But what do normal people respond in the flesh? They respond by carnal nature and begin to give people a peace of mind they can't afford to give away. 
Oh, because why? They, they feel they, they could because, you know, I, I have a mouth. And, and this is, no, God says, count it all joy. Huh? Thank God. Put on humility. See, in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, look at life with a full heart of thanksgiving. Not just during November when we eat a turkey, but be thankful always. Walk with an attitude of gratitude. Be grateful. Now, see, and I, I, I'm blessed in this respect that I was really messed up. I mean, I was really, really, really messed up. I was a guy without hope. I was violent. I had too many vices to care to list. I was not a happy camper. So when God interrupted my life and he put me on a rock, it was very easy for me to have an attitude of gratitude. I am grateful. But it seems like I was probably the only guy that messed up because I see so many Christians ungrateful. Ungrateful for what God has done for them. Ungrateful. It's like the one who just bought a 60-inch TV before they came out with a new 70-inch model. Ungrateful. And we got to get away from that. You got to thank God that you're not going to hell. Because really, that's the only thing we deserve is hell. We have to be grateful, exhibit a grateful heart. Regardless of what we encounter, God has blessed us. Now, add to this, we live in the United States of America. Now, I know you have all these political things going on, and I really care about all that mess. Irrespective of party, this is the greatest country in the world. If you don't believe me, go move somewhere else and come back later crying like a little baby. Try it. Because I've been across the globe. There's nothing like this country. Why? Because its founding was blessed by God. Now, we're, on, we're not careful. Christians don't rise up and start speaking up. We're going to lose that blessing. Huh? But we're still under an anointing, under a blessed people. Where else can, can people who can't afford it can't afford to live, get help. Not here, not, not outside of the West, no way. Go to Manila. If you're poor and you have no food, you starve and you die. That's it. Go to the countries. They don't provide the things that we have. We're blessed. Amen. We're blessed enough where we can talk about our, our, our leaders in, in public office. Other countries, you talk about them, you go to jail. Nikki, I was just talking to Nikki about being in Russia. If they preach the gospel outside of a registered church, you go to prison. In Indonesia, if you preach the gospel outside of church, you go to jail two years, prison. We're a blessed people. We can do, we can do, do almost anything we want. I mean, our, our ability to speak is almost unheard of. Amen? So then we also have to welcome the future. It says there in verse 20, do not despise prophetic utterances or opening the scripture. Prophetic utterances in the church, of course, speak of things said about the, what will happen in the future. And we, we just received one. Do not despise them. Uh, uh, look to the future. Embrace it. Because I believe this place is going to be packed out. Uh, and, and not, go ahead, give the Lord a hand of praise. Why? Because we're doing the right thing. We may not have the greatest method. We might not have the greatest marketing strategy, but we have one thing. We have an anointing. 
We have an anointing to go into the highways and the byways to talk to, talk to the most violent, the drug infested. We don't care what their sin is. We go right down to them and, and share the anointing with love. We have the goods. Most churches, if any, would invite their church members on a Friday night evangelistic tour. Find a place. If you find a church like that, they're probably called Victory Outreach. Because that's, that's how crazy we are. We know where we got to be. Now, I don't expect everybody in the church to do that because that's not your, your, your cup of tea. We understand that we're a body. But you can support those who go. You can help those who go. That, that's where we all can get involved. Because, because it, in fact, there are some of you, I don't want you to go out late at night. We won't be able to evangelize. We have to keep an eye on you. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. That's another story. No, but do not despise. Look to the future. Huh? Because some have had prophecy and rejected it. I had Pastor Ed uh, Morales, before he died, prophesy on me. And I looked over at him like, I thought this guy was crazy. The things he was saying. We're, that's when um, the Denver church was there at the old Safeway Market in Denver off of, um, uh, was that Tejon out there? He prophesied on me. And I had just barely been in, in Colorado, maybe a year, maybe two. I don't know, not so long. He says, and I'm struggling. You know, I come to Colorado, nobody knew me. I had nothing, just a vision, preaching. And he says, God's going to raise you up. You're going to travel the world, and you're going to teach and raise up leaders all over the world. I'm looking at him like, wait a minute, dude. I just got to Colorado, gave the brother a break. All right? And nothing happened. Uh, I forgot all about the prophecy. I had forgot completely about it until one day I was with Pastor John, and we were in London, England. And I was preaching to the church there in London. And he reminded me. He goes, remember what Pastor Ed said? I looked at him and I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you remember the prophecy? I go, were you there? He goes, I was right next to you. I go, you were? And then he began to remind me. I go, oh, wow, you're right. Fifteen years later, I'm traveling all over the world. I've been to Indonesia to preach leadership. I've been to uh, Asia to Manila to preach leadership. I've been to Europe to preach leadership. I've been to Africa, and I had forgot all about it. So when God comes and gives a word, don't take it for granted. Our future is bright. I used to like what my pastor would say, your future is so bright, you need to get a pair of Ray-Bans. Hallelujah. Because you're going to need some shades. Because that's what God has called us to do. Huh? To welcome and embrace what others within the body share with you about what will happen in your life. When I share this, and I've often shared that God is going to raise up pastors and ministers Amen. in this church. Do you believe that? Yes. Let me say it again. When I say God is going to raise up pastors and ministers in this church, do you believe that? And He is. Huh? They're going to come out of this men's home. Pastors, evangelists, men, people that are going to go all over the world. We're going to plant churches. And these men, these men are going to go all over the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. We're not just called to build a church, and we're going to build a church. But we're, God, we're called to send people out. And if you can't go, then you've got to, have, you've got to get a good paid job, get a raise, have a business, make a lot of money so you can send these guys out. Because that's what it's going to take. And you can't nickel and dime the devil. Huh? No way. We have to come at them hard, and it's going to happen. So I look forward to these things with anticipation. So you got to set goals with care and courage. Verse 21, he says, but examine everything carefully. 
Hold fast to what is good. Huh? You got to look at, don't, don't just take everything, but examine it and see what we're talking about. Like I'm talking our vision, what we're called to do. Why can I say that? Because we've been doing it since 1967. We have churches all over the world. When I first came to Victor Arch, we had three churches in Northern California and a half a dozen, or maybe a dozen in L.A., and they were talking big neck. 33 years ago, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And I'm going, whoa, man, these guys are a trip. That's all I said. They're talking big mess. Well, 33 years later, everything that was preached behind the pulpit, everything that Pastor Sonny said has happened. I don't need faith for that. It's right before us. I see it every day. And so with confidence, I can say that it's going to happen here. Why? Because we're a chip off the old block. That's my pastor. Uh, we, got, we got the same anointing. In fact, Pastor Sonny said that. He goes, if I have the anointing, and if you're in victory, Arch, you have the same anointing. And we do. That's our anointing. That's what we're called to do. So we have to have courage, be courageous and tenacious. Why? We can't, look, you can't be no sissy lala. If, you, if, if you're walking around with a big old mustache, huh, and you, and you got Shirley Templins in your heart, you ain't going to make it. Uh-uh. Why? Because the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violin take it by force. It didn't say the kumbaya takes it by, by, by hop, skip, and a jump. It said the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violin take it by force. You got to get a little angry at the devil. You got to get a little angry at the, what the world is doing. You got to get a little angry at sin. You can't you can have this come, oh, let's hold hand, skip, skip, skip to my lula. No. You got to be violent in the spirit. The devil don't like you. He don't like you. He don't like your mama. And he don't like your kids, and you shouldn't like him, right? Because he's a punk. That's what, that's what we're fighting. But greater is he that is in us. Greater is he that was in us than he that is in the world. We have the power. What the devil stole. Anybody ever steal? Don't raise your hand. But you know what I'm talking about? See, when the devil... When you go and the devil took from you, and some, some of you, he took life, years, time, relationships, children, right? When you go back and steal and, and take back what the devil stole, you don't just go, pretty please, can I have it? No, you grab it, you yank it, and you slap him on the way out. You take it back. This is mine, punk. How dare you? I'm going to take back what the devil stole from me. You got to do with attitude. Attitude. So now you're taking your attitude and that, that violent attitude, that nature that God put in you, and you're turning on the right enemy, not each other. The problem is we have these attitudes and we put that bad attitude on the wrong place. You put it on people, the very people that Jesus died for. Huh? So we have to overcome evil with good. Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. See, if you study the context of this passage, Paul is telling us not only to abstain from it, but to be involved in what God wants us to do. So you can't abstain from evil and do nothing. Because it is so true that idle mind, the human mind is a trip. You leave that human mind alone long enough, it'll always have a tendency to, to lean towards evil. There's something about the human mind. It just degrades itself. So why? So to abstain from evil, the only, the only and the best way to abstain from evil 
It's to do good. Do good at all times. How can we do good? Well, the Bible's loaded with things we can do. But you have to, you have to put something in. See, nature, physics says this, that nature abhors a vacuum. So if you take out evil in your life, there's room in you. If we were a bottle, like here's a bottle. If you take out evil, there's a vacuum. You got to fill that vacuum with something. Otherwise, it'll get filled back up with something. Not if you're doing. So when you begin to stop, I'm going to stop whatever, then you have to start doing what is good. Amen? You, you just can't go home and watch TV. You have to do something. And that is really, to me, a push towards ministry. You have to get involved in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And ministry is not just attending church. This, this attending church is good, but this is a preparation for ministry. We learn about things. We, we, we hear about things. We have other avenues that you can get involved in, perhaps. But it's a place where we begin to, what can I do for you, God? What is my ministry? How can I help build a church? How can I help build a home? How can I bring more women into the home, women's home? What can I do, God? Now you're filling that vacuum of evil with good. Huh? See, the power of your attitude as I'm coming in for landing. See, parents understand this. Attitude. Power of attitude. Anybody a parent? Raise your hand. You really understand it when your child gets to that 12, 13. Someone at 13, they get that, that, that teenage. You know that teenage here where they know everything? Boop, 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 boop. Teenagers know everything, right? But you know, all you have to do is look at your children and know their attitude. You know what I'm talking about? There it is. That, 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 that pout on your child's face or that jaw, that look, Right? And then you look at that, you, you go, you don't look at me like that. You know, you know how parents would get. I know, I've done my, my, my son, Frank, he's, he, he's, a, he's old now. But when he was young, oh, he took out his chest. I mean, one time, I was, I was new. I wasn't a pastor yet, but I was in church. And he had his attitude. Frank had his attitude. He took out his chest. And I, pow! And I punched him in the chest. I did. He goes, you can't hit me, you're a Christian. I go, I will hit you. And pray for your healing. <laughs> I go, don't you have that? You know, you know, I was new. I didn't know. I, was, I, I hit him in the chest. He didn't, he didn't have no more attitude. Amen? Now, I don't recommend it. But he, he had that attitude. I go, oh, you know, and you know how the attitudes, how they are. They're, 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 they're sitting on the outside, but they're standing on the inside. You know, you know what I'm saying? They have attitude. So we understand that. In counseling, the only difference between marriage counseling and divorce counseling is this. It's not the problems. It's not those getting divorced have any more problems than those who are having a remaining marriage. It's exactly the same. The difference is their attitude. The way they perceive their mate. The same problem, but different attitude. Right? It's a trip. It's a trip. They come in. Initially, you ever notice people about to get married? They're, they're getting ready to marry. They come in and they're in the office and they're all in love. They're holding their hand. They look at each other with goo-goo eyes, clinging to each other in lust. I mean, in love. They walk to my office 
with those silly smiles on their face. They always had a silly smile on their face. And they begin to talk about marriage. Whatever I say isn't going to matter. I know this. When, they, when they're in here, they get married. I can say anything. He is no good. He'll blah. blah. I, oh no, but but he'll change for me. Oh, she's no good. Oh, no, 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 no. She look, 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 look. We'll all adapt. We'll God will transform us. And they just come up all this right. And their eyes, their stars, the birds are singing, the angels are flapping their wings, the choir is about to burst in their favorite song. And I ask a question like this. Do you have a job? Well, no, 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 I don't have a job. Oh, no, you don't have a job. I have a part-time job at the grocery store, and, and I'm, I work 26 hours a week. I said, oh, okay. And this is true stuff. I asked her, do you have a job? Well, no, 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 I don't have a job, but I'm looking for one, and I'll find one, and I'll work hard, and we'll make it together. We'll make it. Do you have a house to live in? No, 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 no. But my aunt said we can use her downstairs a basement. We can live there for a few months over the summertime. Then we can get together and, you know, we'll have a good time. See, it doesn't matter what the problem I throw at them. Their attitude overlooks the problem. It's amazing, right? Well, I can say he lives too far in the east. It doesn't matter. You'll never communicate. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Now, the same thing, the same thing three years later. Same couple. They come in. They're better off financially three years later. They both have jobs, right? They have a beautiful child now. They, 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 they're sitting in my same office with the, with the incredibly different story. Now, instead of having a job and, and telling them that they have the, everything is going well, they begin to look at each other and say, I don't know about this. In fact, everything is better now than when they got married. But now they're looking at each other, and they can't stand each other. And I look, I go, well, wasn't this the one that, that the angels were singing? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. That no matter what came your way, you would make it. Well, together we could stand. Remember that? Yeah, but he doesn't understand me. And she doesn't appreciate me. And, and, and all, all different attitudes, lesser problems. Huh? And they don't want to be with each other. Huh? Mindset and put it on your walk with God. Because problems will come. We live in this world. That's why Jesus says, I'll be of good chicken, I've overcome the world. Because you're going to face many things. But if you have the right attitude, it doesn't matter. It never matters. Problems are just a problem. It's not a big deal. It's the attitude. It's the mindset. It's how you perceive others and yourself. An article about the Olympics. The difference between a gold medal and the silver medal many times will not be that one has any more ability than the other. Not at all. How they perceive themselves is at the center of their competition. Because you've seen it. Gymnast, 100-yard dash, they lose by 25 one-hundredth of a second. Think about that. 25 one-hundredth of a second. That's, that's what they lose by. So it's not a difference of, of ability. No. It's the gold, medalist, gold medalist sees himself as the gold medalist. The silver medalist doesn't see himself. As the gold medalist, it's attitude. 
It's all attitude. So what do you see yourself as? Are you more than a conqueror? Or are you, I never get a break? Are you anointed by God? Or are you Freddy the flesh monster? Where are you at? It's you. It's all contingent on you. Imagine that. The God of the heavens and the earth who created everything allows your walk, your destiny to be determined by you. I've been saying this and I'm going to say it again until you all understand. Faith is fluid. Destiny is the work of men. Faith is fluid. Destiny is the work of men. Because faith is like water. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to close with this. Faith is like water. If I'm, if I'm water, water will find a way. Right? If you dam it up, it'll stop, but it'll start spreading. It'll find a way around that dam. Unless you control it, it's going to find a way. That's how faith is. That's why when God comes to you like he is today, and he's speaking faith, if he comes to you and you reject it, you think he's going to stop? No, that's why the one next to you gets it and you don't, because you resisted. Faith is not going to force you. Faith is going to hit you. It's fluid. It'll go right around you and go to the next open vessel. That's why the Bible is always looking for, is there an open vessel? Is anybody open to this? See, those who are open grab a hold of faith, and then God begins to move them because now they act and create their own destiny. But people who reject faith, they just settle for their nine to five. They just settle for whatever. And they reject faith. So faith will come to you. If you don't want it, it'll move right next to you. Say, okay, faith goes. But destiny is the work of men. So you determine your destiny. You. Not God. You. God will give you an opportunity. That's why I always talk about uh, uh, Father Terah. Terah. Who's heard of Terra? Probably most people. One person who heard of Terra. Terra. Terra is the father of Abraham. And God told Terra to go to the promised land. He did not tell Abraham. He told Terra. But what happened? Terra went halfway and found a nice place to stay. Wow, this is nice. Why should I move? Why should I go to the why should I go to where God promised me? When I got this. So faith is fluid. So faith had to wait for the next vessel that was open to it. Then years later, God says, Abraham, go to Canaan. And he chose to believe God. As my piano player comes up. Oh, he's already up there. And he chose to believe God. And the rest is history. Because faith is fluid. Okay, you don't want to do it no more? Fine. I'll go to somebody else. I, in fact, when you have a call, God doesn't need you. But when you reject the call, he'll just move to the next one. Why? Because you're going to set your own destiny. So I, I choose to follow faith. I don't want faith to follow me because it doesn't follow you. We have to follow faith. Is it hard? Of course it is. Does it make sense? Never. Well, that's what Scripture tells us to do. Faith. And I have a destiny. I've been prophesied over. Things are going to happen in your life. Are you ready? 
as the year comes to a close and we begin a new time where faith is calling you to another level, where you reject it because you don't understand it, where you reject it because it's difficult. If anything comes to you and it's difficult, it only comes to you because God knows you can handle the difficulty. He does not bring something to you that you can't handle. It's your attitude. Attitude is an inward feeling expressed by behavior. Attitude is an outward expression. It determines our approach in life. It's the advanced man of who you are. It's your PR man. Attitude, its roots are inward, but the fruit is outward. Attitude. How do you know if you have a good or bad attitude? <laughs> At times, your best friend will tell you. Huh? Attitude is more honest and consistent than just words or mouth from your mouth. Attitude is consistent. Attitude is the thing that draws people to us or repels them from us. Attitude determines how we perceive things, people, and events. Attitude. See, if you find people avoiding you, or you find you avoiding people, you may not have the right attitude. Attitude is never content until it's expressed. Attitude, the librarian of your past, the speaker to your present, and the prophet of your future. Attitude. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.